0: Welcome to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. My name is Dave Mons and my aim is to share big ideas from science and the humanities to get your thinking and to help you make sense of the world. Mr. Raven was perched upon a limb, and Reynard the fox looked up at him, for the raven held in his great big beak a morsel the fox would go far to seek. Said the fox in admiring tones, My word, Sir Raven, you are a handsome bird. Such feathers! If you would only sing, the birds of these woods would call you king. The raven, who did not see the joke, forgot that his voice was just a croak. He opened his beak, in his foolish pride, and down fell the morsel the fox had spied. Ha ha, said the fox, and now you see, you should not listen to flattery. Vanity, sir, is a horrid vice, I'm sure the lesson is worth the price. The lesson in this version of the classic Aesop fable of the fox and the raven is to be aware of vanity. However, we can forgive the raven for succumbing to the flattery of the fox, for, in this anthropomorphized iteration by John de la Fontaine, the raven was acting more like a human. Flattery works because we enjoy being complimented, we crave validation and desire acceptance, and we covet being revered. The recipient of such platitudes is often the last to notice the cunning ploys of the fox like sycophant, but to the observer, the exchange sends aloft an unmistakable whiff. Sycophancy is defined by the Cambridge Online Dictionary as quote, behavior in which someone praises powerful. Or rich people in a way that is not sincere, usually in order to get some advantage from them, End quote. Another definition reads simply, a flattering parasite. Sycophancy requires a simple dyad, or two participants, an actor and a target. The word itself has an interesting etymology. It begins with Greek as a combination of the words sukon, meaning fig, and fanane, or to show. I'm sure my pronunciation is terrible. The word literally means revealer of figs. At that time in ancient Greece, the export of figs was forbidden, so to implicate someone in their black market trade was literally to reveal their figs. However, false accusations among rivals led to an informer being called a sycophant. The present day meaning of the word in the French and Greek languages still carries this definition, but in English, the word sycophant represents a more fascinating aspect of human behaviour. Sycophancy has a long history in art and literature. The classic literary figure Uriah Heep of Charles Dickens' 1850 work David Copperfield is perhaps the most famous example. However, sycophancy is often more subtle, ambiguous and difficult to discern, especially by the target. The American social psychologist Edward E. Jones was the first and perhaps most well-known academic to study the psychology of sycophancy but he utilised the term ingratiation to describe this facet of human behaviour. Jones presented a general theory of ingratiation, which described three key types. The first he called other enhancement, the second opinion conformity, otherwise known as the yes man, excuse the gender bias, and the third self-presentation or self-promotion, which he described as the explicit presentation or description of one's own attributes to increase the likelihood of being judged attractively. There's a few others which we'll explore a bit later in the episode, but first let's unpack these three. Other enhancement describes the fox and the raven scenario. Jones compared this to Gestalt philosophy, the German-Austrian line of thinking that human behavior is really about patterns where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. In the case of sycophancy, it's hard to dislike someone who thinks highly of you. Flattery is often obvious, and even if we are aware of it, we still appreciate it, although it carries little value as an influence tactic when it is obvious. Indeed, if flattery is over the top, it tends to have the opposite effect. But the talented sycophant is cleverly subtle. They focus not on the obvious strengths and talents of the target, but rather on those things the target has doubts about. Jones himself quotes from the work of Lord Chesterfield, the fourth Earl of Stanhope during the 18th century, and an acclaimed wit of his time, who wrote this of other enhancement. Quote, Men have various objects in which they may excel, and though they love to hear justice done to them, they are most and best flattered upon those points where they wish to excel, and yet are doubtful whether they do or not. The late Sir Robert Walpole, who was definitely an able man, was little open to flattery upon that head, for he was in no doubt himself about it. But his prevailing weakness was to be thought to have a polite and happy turn to gallantry, of which he had undoubtedly less than any man living. It was his favourite and frequent subject of conversation which proved to those who had any penetration that it was his prevailing weakness, and they applied to it with success. There's no use in flattering an insecure businessman on his contract negotiation skills, Better instead to comment on the cut of his suit. Sycophancy works because both the actor and the target want to believe the flattery is true. People find it difficult not to like others who compliment them, especially if they remark on an aspect of their identity which is in doubt. Yet because of this, it is painfully, embarrassingly obvious to the observer. There's a curious relationship in the psychology of sycophancy because it includes not only the target and the sycophant but the observer as well. Each views the situation differently but often it is only the observer that sees or thinks they see what is really happening. Even the sycophant themselves may not be fully aware of how obvious their actions are but to others they can see their figs. Another tactic employed by the sycophant is to share a compliment about the target with others in the knowledge that it will probably get back to the target. The compliment achieves its goal indirectly. It masks the sycophancy and builds credibility with the target. Flattery heard second hand is more powerful than a direct compliment alone. A counterintuitive form of other enhancement is the neg. The neg was coined a couple of decades ago by a group of misogynists known as the pickup artists. This subtle form of sycophancy utilises a non style but backhanded compliment to undermine confidence and create a sense of approval-seeking in the target. The actor might approach a target with a comment like, That's a nice top, I think my sister has it, or, Wow, I didn't expect you to be so interesting. The subtle form of emotional manipulation demonstrates to the target that they have the potential to be liked, but that they need to work a bit harder to really convince the actor. Now this doesn't apply to all situations and its effects may be short acting, but not surprisingly, in the heat of a social situation, it can be very effective at putting a target on the back foot. The second type of ingratiation that Jones identified was opinion conformity. A dangerous form of sycophancy that rings of groupthink. We like to be liked because we like our opinions, views, and values to be liked. Agreement and head nodding validates our worldview and makes us feel like we are not alone but a part of a tribe. When someone appears to agree with our way of seeing the world, or at least a specific part of it, we want that person on our team to bolster our ego. Yet to most, A blatant yes-man is just as off-putting as a licks flatterer, so the talented sycophant may employ a few tactics to achieve conformity. For instance, they may share their opinion on a topic which they know emulates that of the target, or they may share a knowingly contrary opinion, then allow their mind to be changed by the target. I mean, what feels better than bringing someone around to your point of view? The third aspect that Jones identified, self-promotion, may seem like a counterintuitive tactic of the sycophant, but similarly to opinion conformity. If the actor models their behavior on that of the target, then bingo, the manipulation is made. This tactic must be approached with care, though, as boastful, arrogant people are a turn-off in almost any context. But they also present themselves as desirable of character and in alignment with the target. They may say things like, I'm the kind of person who, or compared to others, I am. The talented sycophant may even employ self-deprecation or modesty to win favor. For instance, they may say things like, I know you're a very detailed oriented type of person. I'd love to be like that, but I'm often too spontaneous. The sycophant may even openly contradict themselves in the same breath to align with the target. They might say, I'm not the kind of person who normally says so, but I also spend a lot of time thinking about such and such. This conspiratorial nature of this kind of statement also makes the target feel like they've been given some personal information, which has the effect of increasing trust in the relationship. A few things should have become clear in the psychology of sycophancy. Not only does a good toady carefully hone their craft, but it is likely that We are all guilty of some aspects of it from time to time. We are social creatures. Building and maintaining relationships is something we spend much of our time doing. Whether our culture builds social class and feudalism into its social dynamics may have some impact, but in any one society or organisation there will always be those who employ subtle tactics to curry favour and gain an advantage. The sycophant is not always as blatant as the protagonist of a novel, film, or the latest drama on Netflix. In fact, forms of ingratiation are practiced by all of us from time to time. Humor is a good example. Cecily Cooper wrote on this topic in her 2005 paper titled Just Joking Around, Employee Humor Expression as an Ingratiatory Behaviour. She writes that ingratiation is a two-stage process. First, quote, an ingratiator establishes a positive identity with the target. He or she then makes requests of this person. The target is likely to be more receptive to such persuasive communications to the extent that he or she perceives the ingratiator to be likable or trustworthy, End quote. Humor is one of the most effective tools for establishing a positive identity with others. So powerful, in fact, that a recent study found that women who find a man funny are more likely to also think that he is intelligent. This is independent of actual scores on an intelligence test. Basically, a funny guy seems smarter to a woman than a man that is actually cleverer. That's smarter. But humour is a tricky business. For a start, everyone has a slightly different sense of humour. In fact, there are at least four key types, which I think we'll explore in a future episode. If your sense of humour differs from that of the target, then your wisecrack may have the opposite effect of your hoped-for sycophantic advances. Then there's whether the joke is even appropriate, especially if it is used in a workplace setting. Nailing not only the execution but also the punchline is critical for humour to be an effective tool for the ass kisser But when it works, humour carries less risk than other ingratiating behaviors and may just have positive effects for everyone. Cooper concludes that, quote, humor has the potential to ingratiate the individual expressing it to anyone who is privy to it, assuming they enjoy the humor. Thus, it may not present the same risks as other types of ingratiatory tactics for interpersonal relations and may even be effective in building social glue among work groups. Specifically, humor may be another means by which individuals can initiate positive emotional contagion. Quote. You might still think that the sycophant is a sucker, but if they make you laugh, you are more likely to accept that they deserve to be rewarded for their positive impact on the social environment. It's hard not to like people who make us feel happy. True sycophancy is quite the talent. So far, we have discussed types of sycophancy and how they are used, but we haven't considered where they are used. The obvious application I've alluded to is in the workplace. Indeed, sycophancy, or ingratiation, as the organisational psychologist might prefer it is labelled, is the most common environment in which that subordinate superior diet exists. Yet there are others Indeed, it may well be that virtually all interactions between people involve a form of power struggle where one either attempts to gain or maintain self-esteem. Actions and language which promote the individual's so-called self-promotion behaviours may be appeals for esteem and status that align with our perceived identity. While flattery, compliments, opinion conformity and mirroring may be ways of carrying favour and raising esteem by increasing our likability. And we don't just do this with our boss or a superior in some other context. We do it in almost all contexts. The essence of authenticity and being genuine, then, may be the absence of sycophancy, where we are truly being ourselves regardless of what it might mean for our social status, or basically what other people think of us. This may be true, it might not be, but this effect seems to emerge in a variety of social contexts. An important one is dating. Social rejection, particularly by a potential mate, is one of the most difficult forms of rejection. Now, One study found that people tend to react one of two ways when faced with rejection after a first date or an opening engagement on a dating platform. Men who experienced a mild rejection were less likely to engage in ingratiatory behaviours than men who experienced a harsh rejection. It was as though the greater the rejection, the more the men grovelled to somehow reclaim their manliness esteem. Similarly, women who felt an interaction brought them closer to a male partner who then rejected them were more likely to engage in ingratiating behaviours. Perhaps this was a defence mechanism used to rebuild trust after the sharing of personal information, or perhaps it was to validate that person's own sense of self when it seemed that their thoughts or behaviours we're not socially acceptable to a potential partner. This sounds complicated but I think the answer is probably a lot more simple. We just want to be liked and loved and we don't mind a bit of brown nosing if that's what it takes. Yet the purest sycophant might scoff at such a miserly manipulation of the heart. What they really crave is power, status and money. Just ask a waitress or a waiter. A study conducted by John Sita in 2007 engaged two 22-year-old female food servers in a Utah restaurant. They were instructed to compliment half of the patrons on their food choices after they ordered. The other half, they were to say nothing. After serving 92 couples, the results were clear. Those who were complimented tipped more than those who were not. For a server who relies on tips for a living, this form of sycophancy had a big payoff, or as Sita put it, Quote, "although flattery may not get you everywhere it might help you make a living." End quote. Despite the potential upsides to a bit of apple polishing perhaps its biggest drawback is that it is often so obvious to others and this leads to what the dutch psychologist Roos vonk calls the slime effect vonk conducted research in holland in the late 90s on whether ingratiating behavior is as obvious as we ensure that it is Though her paper was written in English, she found that there's no direct translation of the word ingratiate in the Dutch language. Rather, the nearest substitute is an expression, licking upward, kicking downward, or the word schleim, which is often used in its adjective form, schleimeric, to describe flattery and brown-nosing. The slime effect she found in her study is quite literally that brown-noses are perceived as slimy. Through five experiments, Vonk found that people appear to have a slime schema, that is, a preformed idea or mental model of someone who licks upward and kicks downward. Observation of someone who appears to be likable towards superiors seems to engage this schema regardless of whether these people were actually employing ingratiating behaviours or not, or how they behave toward their peers or subordinates. We seem to have a finely tuned resentment mechanism where we assume that if a superior likes someone, then they must be an arse This is worth keeping in mind, because those who you think are sycophants might just be good people who deserve their praise. Perhaps a little brown nosing of your own might help you ride their coattails upwards, and if you consider yourself a likeable character, it may help explain that famous syndrome, the tall poppy. We all despise ass-kissing, bootlicking, brown-nosing, apple polishing, sucking up and insincere flattery, but as we've seen, it's more complex and sophisticated than it first seems. And while we may purport to spot or smell the whiff of sycophancy a mile off, we may just be envious of someone who has superior social skills. And if you haven't noticed sycophancy lately, but are feeling particularly good about yourself, perhaps you are the target. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Here and Now podcast or Twitter at Here Now podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to keep up to date with all of the latest episodes. And if you want to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon or leave a review at the Apple Podcasts app. You can reach out to me via the pages or email thehereandnow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.